Hello and welcome to the seventh episode of On the Pod, my lord. I'm James Rushton. I'm joined by Adam Clark and Ellie Sanford. How are you both doing, guys? I'm doing pretty well, thank you. Good to be here on On the Pod again for our season preview. Yeah, I'm doing all right as well. Looking forward to getting things started on Sunday. Yeah, it's coming around so quick, but yeah. Um, we haven't had a lot of season preview type stuff on a 7500 halt yet. So what we thought we'd do is we'll get together have a chat and kind of sum up the entire well, sum up what we think this will happen in this season really a lot's happened in the off season Fuller have been bought we've changed kits we've had a brand change uh, it's a bit too much to be honest uh, so let's start off what happened last time on Aston Villa previously on Aston Villa we actually finished bottom of the league we were relegated uh, we were still owned by Randy Lerner who Scarpered sold the club off. Um, we finished with 17 points, and uh, everyone expected a bit of a clear out, which hasn't really happened, has it, guys? No, but that's probably not a bad thing because yeah. even though it was really disjointed last season, there was probably still more chemistry in the squad than if we got rid of everyone and brought in 20 new strangers. You get me. Yeah, I thought we was going to sack off Lescott, uh, sack off Richards, get rid of maybe Hill, Veritu, just change the squad. Um, only a few of those moves have come about. Um, it doesn't look as though we're dropping to the depths of uh, Paul Lambert's bomb squad, but it looks like certain players are unfavoured as we head towards a new season and some people we just can't get rid of. Um, the squad looks to be the same shape as last year, which, uh, Adam, does that worry you at all? does a little bit yeah i mean i know it, it's not so much about the players um you know, i'm probably one of the few people who will even go as far as defending jolene lescott uh no for me gabby mika richards uh those two are right out um what does worry me is i'm not sure what we're looking at tactically yet we're not seeing a really clear plan coming in to overtake uh what was what we did last season so that's a bit more the worry. I don't don't mind necessarily the personnel, but I would like to see them taking more of a shape. Yeah, last season, uh, catastrophe would be an understatement, I feel. Um, but I don't think we all expected that in our the round tables we did last season. I think we was aiming a bit higher than relegation. But Arthur Ellis, who joins us today, has uh, put a bit of a shift in this week. And he's interviewed everyone from uh, 7500 to Holt about their expectations for this year. How did you manage? How did you manage it, Ellis? How did you do it? Um, I just asked around, I guess. <laughs> it's uh, certainly a shifting. When I uh, looked at the editorial and saw, you know, that you'd scheduled what five, six pieces uh, for this week, all to do of our thoughts. I mean, there's a lot of reading there, so fair play. Yeah, there's some interesting stuff that. to come out. It should come out around lunchtime each day this week, and. Everyone is very optimistic on our site for the most part, which yeah. is good. But then last season, everyone was optimistic on the site too. And um, yeah, last season. Didn't turn out well, very well, it? did it? No. No. Uh, so, it could only get uh, any memorable? Yeah, exactly. Only up from here. So uh, any memorable answers from the first two snippets of the roundtable so far, Ellis? Or uh, anything that really stood out to you? Um... What did stand out to me is that Arrow Matt Villain has a lot of optimism in a certain Gabby Bangalore this season. Yeah, I saw that. I saw that, and I'm not sure if I'd he's. Like, uh... Yeah, I'd like to think he's not for real because <laughs> gets a great man. But uh, yeah, 
Yeah, for the most part, it looks like everyone seems to expect us to be up there at the end of the season, which is possible. But I feel I've personally decided to rein in my expectations after last season. Yeah, we're all a bit used to that kind of stuff, kind of tempering expectations. I mean, so this Mm. is the key question. Is anything less than promotion a disappointment? I don't think so. I mean, it's a very competitive league. It's a very open league. Uh, it's a fast and furious league. Uh, people end where they deserve in the uh, in the championship. Uh, it's it, it's not like the Premier League. Magic happens in the Premier League. I feel like the championships a very realistic league. What do you guys think? It's a grind. I think it's a grind. It's a grind. It's a long, long season. Um, but I, I, I mean, to answer my own question there, I mean, I think yeah, absolutely, anything less than promotion. I think probably is a disaster, to be honest, because it just so high increases the chances that we're going to stay down there. Uh, and if you don't get out in those first two seasons down in the championship, you could be in for a long, long spell. And yourself, Ellis, is promotion anything less than promotion a disaster? Um, I think if we finish in the top half, it's not a disaster. Obviously, promotion is ideal. Not promotion is not ideal. But if we can give ourselves something to build on for next season without going up I don't see it as being a bad thing theoretically like we just need to manage our expectations a little bit I think rain them in it's all about tempering expectations as a Villa fan we've had the heavy heights of a Europa League and now we've been relegated now we're in the championship the two men that will hopefully lead Villa out of the championship are Roberto Di Matteo and Steve Clark Adam what do you feel about these two yeah, I'm pretty happy about them. Uh, Roberto Di Matteo and Steve Clark, actually, I think both have decent records of leading teams out of the championship. That's good. Uh, Roberto Di Matteo is a Champions League winning manager. Um, so considering the quality of manager that was uh, on offer in the summer, yeah, I'm pretty happy. I'm, I'm very especially happy with them as a team. You know, I think they cancel out each other's weaknesses. Uh, you know, Steve Clark, probably an old-fashioned guy, but he's probably going to no- have a little bit of know-how in the league. Whereas Robert Di, uh, Roberto Di Matteo, uh, you know, probably a more modern guy, got some better ideas about possession, football, but we'll have Steve Clark there to cover up some inexperience. Yeah, and that Ellis, I remember speaking to you on one of the earlier podcasts we did, and I think it was definitely looking like Nigel Pearson would take over Villa. <laughs> I'm assuming that Di Matteo is a 100% improvement in your race. At the very least, 100%. <laughs> 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 Yeah, <laughs> but I'm lying. But yeah, man, uh, what do you think about Di Matteo Ellis? What do you think? Initial impressions, I, even. Um, I'm I'm just gonna throw it out there. I'm not tactically knowledgeable about stuff, but um, <laughs> he just so far so good. I reckon he seems to be making the right moves, saying the right things. He seems to have a good yeah. relationship with the um, new owner. We saw with that press conference they did out in China. So it all appears to be good so far. That's all I can really I f- say on the matter. Yeah, I feel that he's hands-off in a good way. Tim Sheldon was a bit hands-off in a bad way. Uh, when we needed a strict boss, I don't feel he was there. But Roberto Di Matteo seems to let situations develop. And he seems to want to let these players prove themselves, which is why we've still got you know, a catalogue of uh, players who just didn't perform last season still at the club. 
Adam, do you think uh, Di Matteo can bring the best out of someone like Gabby Obongho or Micah Richards? Yes, I know this is what a lot of a lot of fans are unhappy about at the moment, which was that the suggestion at the start of the season, uh, or at the start of the transfer window even, was that it was going to be a huge overhaul uh, with Dr. Tony Gira in, in charge. And now we're hearing a little bit of talk. I think Di Matteo said that this is a squad to build on, not a squad to completely overhaul. Um, but I think in general it's a bad idea to assume that you can entirely overhaul your squad and things will just get better. You know, that's a very fan based perspective. Like, Oh man, if we just bought this player and this player and this player, it'd be wonderful. And it never is. Like it just doesn't work like that. Um, on the other hand, like some of those players, Gabby, Mika Richards, uh, no, I think some of those players are just frankly unrescuable. You know, some of those players should have been offloaded ages ago. Um, so it depends what players we're talking about him building on. Uh, and I've got to say, there are some questions raised about the players who've gone out versus the players who've stayed. Um, you know, I think we, there are genuine worries about that. I think we're going to get around to talking about the players who've gone and the players who've come in in a little bit. But at the moment, I understand why fans aren't necessarily super happy. On the other hand, there are some limitations that I think we should talk about as well. Yeah, Steve Clark and uh, Dimitar. I think Villa are in very safe, the, as safe hands as they could be, to be completely honest. I feel they have uh, made a bit of a steal here with these pair. Uh, moving on to a bit of a different subject. I don't think we've ever talked kits, jerseys or badges on the podcast before, but uh, Villa have had a complete overhaul of their branding. And not only that, they've got some pretty tasty new kits. Guys, what do you think about Under Armour? What do you think about the new the new style for Villa going forward? Um, the kits are nice. Um, the kits last season were nice too. So it's not as if we've gone from bad to great. We've gone from good to a little bit better. Um, Under Armour seemed to be a better kit designer than was it Macron we had last season? Yeah, yeah, Macron. Well, I can gather the quality's better, and they seem to do a better range of non like match kits. Like they do a better training range as well. So, from what I've seen, it all looks snazzy. Yeah, what I feel about that, why I bring the Under Armour up as well, is because it just adds a bit of prestige to Aston Villa that just isn't there at the moment. Uh, names like Under Armour, Nike, Adidas, um, their top brand makes, um, when it's on the side, when it's sponsoring your team, uh, it's a little bit of a vain thing to think about, but it's uh, it certainly feels a lot better that Under Armour are repping Aston Villa, even in this low time that it is. It certainly adds a bit of prestige to the club in my eyes, a bit of bigness, so something to be kind of proud about. Uh, I mean, I'd rather stuff be good on the pitch, but as long as uh, <laughs> things are going in the right direction off it... Uh, so, long I mean, as you're looking, so long as you're looking snazzy off the field, you don't mind what's yeah. going on. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not saying that. Um, uh, it's just... It's just I can't put it into words what I'm feeling about it, but it does, as I said, it adds a bit of prestige... Uh, it's a it's a right move in terms of finances and uh, Under Armour they're a household name Macron um, the kits weren't the kits look good I've had the pleasure of owning a Macron kit and I can tell you that the quality isn't good it's shoddy stuff falls off stripes fall out stitching pops um, you sure that's not just the really, James yeah pretty much like Aston Villa on the pitch really I think uh, Macron's quality kind of matched up with that Gabby but yeah Cortes. anything else to say about Villa's Yes, <laughs> fit around his uh, man boobs. You know, if you can, <laughs> if you can squeeze in, 
all of your scan. <laughs> That's just sucking that six pack for a whole ninety minutes. <laughs> That's what we're talking about. But yeah, Under Armour will really show his uh, vulnerabilities. Shall we? Shall we say? <laughs> very tight. Very tight fit. No place um, to hide. No place to hide. No, um, those tits. Frankly, Gabby won't do uh, do very well uh, in Under Armour, mate. I mean, we've seen the picture of him twisting around in the Macron, and uh, it's not pretty. It <laughs> it's really good. not good. It wasn't good. I'm, but, I'm looking forward to, but let's let's assume that he's going to be fit again this season. And uh, yeah, yeah, then he'll look ripped. Yeah, <laughs> man, it will. Really, it'll really show off. But there's three new guys who will be appearing in uh, this Under Armour kit with this new badge: uh, Piluigi Gallini, Tommy Alfic, and Aaron Tishbola. What do you guys think about this, uh, Adam? I know you've had a lot of fondness for Tishbola, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, yeah, and so a lot of people, I know a lot of people have been a bit unhappy. I, I saw one like, I saw like one guy who was saying, you know, what we're on about, these guys are under 21s, you know, strange names, never heard of them. I think we've really got to get used to being in the championship. You know, you yeah. run down through the transfers that are in the championship. You know, it's not just people were fixating slightly on the 50 million figure that we were talking about getting spent. It's not just about the money, it's about persuading players to come to you. You know, I think a lot of fans now are stuck in the mindset, you know, that we're like, you know, it's back in the Premier League, we've got 50 million quid, we can buy who we want. It's just not the case anymore. Anyone who you can buy for big money is probably getting, bid, you know, getting bids as well from Premier League clubs, and you just can't persuade them to come to you. Um, yeah. So in that context, in that you've got to persuade them to come to second division, yeah, you know, these guys sort out, they sort out a problem... At, uh, at the back, you know, they sort out a problem in goal, and they probably sort out a problem in central midfield as well. You know, we picked up, you know, Shibola is one was one of the better players last season in the championship. He was a player who lots of people were looking at. Looking at, I think he's a good pickup. Pierluigi Gallini, you know, he's looking like a nice pickup as well. You know, we knew that it was a problem position with Guzan. Um, you know, I think it was time for him to go. And Tommy Elphick, you know, I think we could desperately all say that we needed another centre-back. So I'm feeling pretty positive. I'm not, I'm not saying they're enough on their own, but I'm positive about those three. Ellis, who out of those three excites you the most? Um, neither, well, neither, none of them. But <laughs> I, say that in the, I say that in the best possible way, in that compare these three signings to last summer's, I'm, I'm digging myself out of a hole here, by the way. Um, yeah, last summer, we signed a load of individuals who were all creative, good, didn't gel, didn't really work. And I look at these three players and I think they would work as a squad. Like, this, this seems to be, they're not outstanding, but they all work as a team. So in that sense, they're going to be great signings for us, theoretically. Because last season we had loads of players that just didn't work well together, didn't have, and it created bad feeling in the dressing room as well, from what it appears. So, and if you like look at Shibola's uh, uh, Snapchat, for example, yeah, you already see he's set into the club really well. He's getting on with like the likes, likes of Jack Grealish, and if they can like build bonds and get themselves working for each other as well as with each other. They're going to be great signings for us, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, last season's transfer window, I'm pretty sure both of you will agree with me, it looks fantastic in a game like FIFA or Football Major. Unfortunately, it was more style over substance. I think Villa are one signing away, uh, 
you know, in terms of an attacking midfielder or a striker, from having a whole new backbone in just four signings. I've got a future really set up here. Um, man who excites me the most and I'm a bit worried about is Pierluigi Gallini. Um, he had the luxury of playing in a league, which it's a good league, Serie A, but it is not as frantic as English football, not as panicky. I'd say. I think that's a good, better word to describe it. Uh, one thing I've noticed that Galini does a lot is he parries the ball. He doesn't catch it. He will mm-hmm. parry the ball. I can tell you now from experience as uh, someone who's played Sunday league football in uh, England that people will always wait for that. As soon as you do that once, it's an unforgivable mistake and someone will capitalise that, especially in a place like the Championship where poachers thrive. Um, Galini does worry me. That's why I think Philem are looking at someone like Costa Pantilimon, which kind of I despise. <laughs> but yeah, um, Villa's goalkeeping position doesn't look as secure as maybe we think it is. However, yeah, Tommy Alfic. Oh, carry on, Adam. Sorry. I was just saying that in the last podcast, when we talked about uh, Galini coming in, I talked about him being a good competition pick with Guzan. That's obviously not the case anymore. Guzan's yeah, that's quite worrying. So. Yeah, I think I, I I would also welcome someone else being brought in to provide some competition in that place. And uh, that Pantilamon link uh, sounded quite good in that respect. It's gone a bit quiet on that front, but we'll see. Yeah, um, quite thankfully, I feel. Yeah, I, I do agree that we could deal with a second goalkeeper, but I don't see the purpose in bringing in Pantilamon in that if we want a keeper that's not powering balls out, He's probably not what we want, and that he's <laughs> not very good with his hands either. Let's point out also that he's about he, he's a young guy. He's only twenty-one. You know that's kind yeah. of thing that can be coached. Hmm. Yeah, as I said, I mean he played in Serie A. It's not as panicky. It's very measured. Um, in the Championship, as there are scrambles in the box. Stuff like that happens. Mm. Um, in Serie A, he would be forgiven for parrying a ball to a waiting defender. It simply won't happen in the Championship, and that would be something that will need to be eradicated from his game. Thankfully, he's not like Guzan. He's quite young. But yeah, hopefully the same mistakes won't be made with um, Guzan. He was quite a young prodigy. Final thought on goalkeepers. Um, Mark Bunn wasn't that impressive at times last season. But for a Championship keeper... He's not actually a bad second choice. So no, no. we've got Galini to try out this year, like give him game time, see if we can um, bring him up to speed with English football. Um, we have a reasonably good keeper to fall back on. And also Jed Steer, he's got championship experience if we keep him around. So I don't think we need to be worried about goalkeepers just yet. Fair enough. Pretty good shout. Uh, yeah, Aston Villa would want to make some more moves. People who are rumoured to be arriving to Villa in the next day, couple of days, are both Ross McCormack and one uh, Ravel Morrison. Ellis, uh, I'm, I think we were both caught out earlier this month when uh, the BBC did report that Aston Villa would in fact not be moving for both these people. But it looks like things are really picking up pace uh, with Ross McCormack. How do you feel about Ross um, well, I mean, I've got egg on my face if he does sign, so that's <laughs> not Don't worry, ideal. I'll, take, I'll take the blame for that. <laughs> but, yeah, I'm all for it. Um, sure, he's old. Well, I say old, he's 29, he's not that old. But for a footballer, he's getting to the end. So it's quite a lot of money for a player his age with adding on the fact that there's not going to be any resale value. But if he can score the goals that get us back up to the Premier League 
then it's money well spent, in my opinion. Mm. Adam, does Ross McCormack excite you more than a Gabby O'Bonnell or a Jordan Ayew even? <laughs> um, yes to the first one, no to the second one. I mean, <laughs> yeah, Ellis summed up well. He's, in, in normal circumstances, you don't want to be spending that kind of money on a 29-year-old who you're not going to get a lot of sell-on value out of. But when the prize is promotion... And, you know, God knows that figure keeps going up how much promotion is worth every season. Um, yeah, absolutely. You know, he's worth it. He's scored goals in the championship. Every season he's been down the championship, he's scored, you know, well into the double figures in goals. And if he's the guy who gets you it, we need a striker. He's very clearly the best striker who's available in the championship right now. Um, there's absolutely no reason not to go for it. And, uh, you know, if we manage to nick him off of Norwich, all the better. Yeah, perfect. It's more of a strategic move, I feel. You take him away. You're not only taking him away from Fulham and bringing him to Villa, where he can score goals and get wins. You're taking wins away from Norwich, though. You're taking goals away from Norwich, which is a it's a real bonus. Uh, in terms of people who are leaving Aston Villa, though, uh, Carlos Hill. I know he's a, a favourite of yours, Adam. Still upset. Oh uh, man, I'm 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 distraught. I'm in tears. <sighs> it's so difficult. Yeah. It's so difficult because <clears throat> it's it's hard to deny the arguments that are made about Hill. You know, he's too lightweight, he doesn't do enough in defence, he's an output, you know, in terms of assists, etc. isn't really enough. But I just feel like, you know, you took him in from the Liga, he's a young guy, you know, totally different style of football, and you put him under Tim Sherwood. You know, it's like, yeah. I don't know, it's like putting your kitten in a washing machine. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and then you criticise the kitten. The walks. kitten does die during that, Adam. The kitten doesn't live. <laughs> Um, criticise him because he walks funny afterwards like you know couldn't we just yeah. spend a bit more time with him David Silva didn't have a good first season when he was at Man City I'm not necessarily no I agree not necessarily suggesting and actually objectively the figures that you put in when he was in La Liga also suggest that his output was not going to be you know super high but yeah it's it's pretty gutting to me um but I hope the Jack Grealish uh you know hopefully it'll give him the space to set uh, to step up into that uh, attacking playmaker role and uh you know he's only gone out on loan hasn't he to the body yeah uh, you know, if he does if he does like the world on fire back in la liga you know we can bring him over and um you know i was a bit disappointed because i thought roberto di matteo might be the kind of manager who might look at his qualities a little you know and think ah oh, this is a guy i can use yeah, um, I think I think Villa's hand may have been a bit forced. They do need to lighten up the wage bill a bit. If people aren't coming in for people like Micah Richards or Julian Lescott, unfortunately, I think the the cuts need to be made where uh, where where they are, where the offers come in. And if an offer comes in for Carlos Hill, maybe you just got to accept it, even if it is a loan. Maybe you just got to you know take yeah. t- take and that option when it comes in. I also think he wanted to go. You know, it was quite clear he wanted to head back to Spain. So um, you know. You don't want to yeah, keep he, against as well. He wasn't a bad footballer, and uh, in actually in opposition to the argument that he wouldn't fit in the, a physical league like the Championship, I feel his best match for us, where he didn't score or those amazing goals against Sunderland and Bournemouth. Um, his best match was against West Brom, where they targeted him and kind of kicked the shit out of him. But he uh, stunned, stood a resolute figure and uh, managed to have an impact on the match, even though it came out to a nil-nil. I feel like it was very creative in that match and actually made a lot of chances that Villa just couldn't put away. Uh, Ellis, I feel like Carlos Hill has become a bit of a Villa court hero. Uh, yeah, 
I guess I wasn't ever a huge fan. Like, mm. I, I don't get me wrong; he was a great player, but he never really seemed to fit in the system. And sure, we maybe could have done with keeping him for another season to see if we mm. could get performances out of him. But if he wanted to go, that's fair play to him for going. And if he does well on loan, we theoretically can get more money for him next summer. Because I can't imagine that if he goes and lights the league on fire, he'll want to come back to Birmingham. No offence to the city. Yeah. <laughs> how, how nice it would it be if we'd actually for written me, in a proper a proper sell-on clause? You know. Mm. Yeah. But, yeah. Talking of clauses, I don't feel like we'll miss Carlos Heel as much as we're going to miss Idris Agana. Oh, yeah. nowhere near as much. Yeah. Theoretically, he's easily replaceable, but we all know that things that are easier in your head don't work out for Villa. Um, we're going to miss Gunnar a lot, and he's going to shine at Everton. And Everton, who are building a damn strong team, I will add, under a good manager, um, Adrissa Gunnar is going to shine this year, and I'll be very surprised if he isn't at a top European club in the next three or four years if Everton don't get there themselves. Yeah, it's not it's not so much us not replacing him, but just how much I think he would have crushed the championship. Um, oh, yeah, definitely. You know, I, I, I know there are parts of the Villa fan base that are just writing off everyone who write off Garner as well as a headless chicken. Look, you do not put up the statistics that he put in terms of tackles and interceptions second only uh, to N'Golo Kante in the Premier League last season without doing something right. Yeah, um, I feel that he fails the eye test is a problem. If you focus on Adrissa Gunner, what you may see sometimes is a player who is playing his own game. I can tell you now that maybe some of the best players in the world don't always look good doing what they're doing. Uh, even some of the worst players, uh, Ricardo Montalivo for uh, AC Milan in Serie A, uh, he kind of stumbles around. He does his own thing. He's not the best player, but I can t- he can lay off a pass. He can he, when the game comes to him, he can perform. And that was very much the same with Idris again. And when the game revolved around him, he'll shine. Um, I feel Villa fans. Uh, he's maybe singled out for a bit of unfair criticism. Uh, but Ellis, I think uh, Ganna shined, and you're right. We'll miss him. Yeah, and. I think part of the criticism was that he did give the ball away a lot. But unlike quite a few of the other players that gave the ball away a lot, he gave the ball away trying to create chances rather than just shit passes sideways. So I think creatively he was a good option for us. It's just he didn't quite gel with some of the players around him. Whether or not that was language barrier, lack of time with each other. It's one of those things that maybe given another season, and especially in a lower league, he would have bossed it, in my opinion. Yeah, and uh, one of his... uh, I will praise him on the fact that when he gave the ball away, he would get it back most of the time. Let's not forget that. And he would uh, throw in some quite crunching tackles in the midfield, uh, tackles that Villa might miss this season without that physicality in the middle of the park. Uh, Another person who's left this year, beginning with a G, is uh, Brad Guzan. Guys, what do you think? (laughs) <laughs> um, I really don't know. Like, you've got some. I know you've had some strong words, Adam, about Brad Guzan, especially against that Swansea game. I think there was a few f bombs oh thrown in. <laughs> I mean, he's been repeatedly subpar for a couple of seasons now. Um, I've got to admit, I'm a bit surprised that Middlesbrough went in for him. Look, it's a bit strange because you know he had that one good season, 2012, 2013. He, you know, he was voted our Player of the Year. You know, he looked good. 
um, you know, he's our only, probably our only, like, top international player. Uh, and, you know, yeah. sorry to all the Americans, uh, to our editor, Robert Lintot, and uh, Jack Grimsey, our other American writer. Uh, you know, pity you guys that he is the uh, US first choice. But, nah, perfectly happy to see the back of him. Yeah, um, he was amazing when we, we actually released him and Lambert brought him back. And for that one or two seasons, he was incredible. Um, his mind simply isn't at Aston Villa anymore. It's focused on what he wants to do. What he wants to do is play well for the US men's national team, as well as maybe shine at Middlesbrough. But unfortunately, I don't think he's going to get many games uh, with Victor Valdez there. Um, but yeah. Brad Guzan, uh, certainly Enigma. Um, I think some of the criticism he comes in is quite harsh. It's only recently where he's uh, kind of fell off the face of the earth and done terribly. But uh, another player that's going that I am very unhappy about is Kieran Clark. And I mean, he's having a medical today at Newcastle. That's pretty much gone. Right, guys? Uh, it's sad to see him go in the sense that he's Villa through and through in that he's been there all his career. But he's completely replaceable. He's nothing yeah. special. He's good on his day. His day isn't that often. He's quite error-prone. He doesn't seem to have a calm head. And if he goes to Newcastle and costs them a couple of points, sod it. That's not bad for us. <laughs> Yeah, uh, Adam, you made me see sense yesterday. Uh, I was in a bit of a yeah. bit of a pickle. I was a bit upset. It's a bit. You made me see sense. It's a bit of an odd move, and in a way, I think it's a transfer that's bad for both parties, which is quite impressive. Yeah. In that, from our from our perspective, yeah, Clark, you know, he's not reliable, and we've had him for a couple of seasons now, and we've always thought, ah, oh, you know, maybe, but there's a reason he hasn't been, you know, staking a place, you know, all the time. Um... On the other hand, we do lose a player, you know, and we're not sure that we've got a whole lot of depth for backup in that centre-back position. On the other hand, Newcastle yeah. have just paid £5 million for a guy who probably, he shouldn't start for them. And so uh, there's, this was something I wanted to talk about, which is the difference between a, champ- a good championship player and a championship winning player. Kieran Clark is probably a good championship defender. He's not a win-you-the-league championship defender, and that's got to be what Newcastle are aiming for. So if, they, if he's not going to be that, he's not going to be a starter. They've paid £5 million for a guy who's a one-season backup on the assumption that they get back to the Premier League. Yeah. That's a really weird move. Why don't you pay £5 million for a guy who's only going to be there, for, who's only going to be useful for you for one season, and even then might not be that useful for you? It's yeah. very sideways, but then you could argue that if he does go, if they do get promoted straight away and he becomes a squad player, they have a lot of foreign players. And if they get back to the Prem, they will need a certain number of homegrown players, I think. Ah, oh, so don't tell me you're a believer in that. Homegrown squad. players are an automatically better. No, <laughs> I'm, I'm just saying that you need them in the Premier League, don't you? You need minimum eight British players. You're not wrong. You're not wrong. You aren't wrong. Uh, Mika Richards, Jolene Lescott, Gabby Agonhor. Oh, yeah, we're set when we go back. <laughs> Newcastle have a lot of French players and stuff. Yeah. 
This yeah, I feel like it's a very strategic move uh, by Newcastle to bolster the uh, homegrown ranks because it is yeah. stuff that Manchester City have done. It's stuff that teams that rely on foreign exports, foreign imports, even uh, they do have to uh, meet that quota. Unfortunately, it is and that quota does. It is disappointing at that release clause of five million. I know you had keen words about this, James. That pissed me off. Yeah, <laughs> that really did piss me off. And I'll tell you why it pissed me off because. If Tom Fox thought it was a good idea to insert clauses into the contract of every Aston Villa player, what he's done is open up the entire market to tearing open Aston Villa. Villa survived a few years ago by not having clauses uh, in the contracts of people like Gareth Barry and Stuart Downing. It means they could name their price and hold them out to the contract. With having a release clause as low as five million of a depth player, albeit, uh, you can't lose people like that. You can't just lose everyone because, you know, that's how you signed the contract. It's very, very strange, I feel. Very strange. Um, yeah. Um, question. Does Jordan Ayew have a release clause? Cause... I bloody fucking hope not, seriously, guys. <laughs> I'm done with release clauses um, because Aston Villa haven't done them competently at all. Um, there's a difference between a minimum fee release clause and a relegation release clause. Christian Benteke's clause was £32 million. A clause is meant to be absurdly high, so you don't lose these players. It's it's a last gas move. Um, Villa's clauses have set at bang average prices, which strikes me as an incredibly strange move. Yeah, yeah, it's another one. I mean, though, to be fair, let's point out that, you know, clauses are on both sides of a negotiation. You know, presumably yeah. that was inserted as, you know, because his last contract was uh, signed, I think, 2016. Uh, if not last year. So presumably that was put in as a come and get me to Premier League teams. It's just a bit galling that it's not Premier League teams picked it up. It's uh, it's Newcastle. Yeah, uh, the clause is a weird one because, uh, you know, it's allowed... Newcastle may not have made it. Uh, Tony Shaw's Twitter feed points it out to me that uh, this move wasn't made as a let's buy Kieran Clark because he's good move. It points out to me is let's buy Kieran Clark so Villa won't have him move, uh, which is uh, downright fair. It's strategic. Well, uh, it's hurt. It hurts that Kieran Clark is going to Newcastle. It hurts that Villa have allowed them to be themselves to be in a situation where they're selling to promotion rivals, and that doesn't that shouldn't happen. Yeah, I mean, I even think, if it is Kieran Clark, I think we've got to stop comparing ourselves to Newcastle uh, in this moment. I know, yeah. I know it's painful, and I know look, the Matt Ritchie one, <laughs> you know. Matt Ritchie is that's a hell of a signing. Dwight Gale, I don't know. You know, some of our fans seem to be very jealous of a Dwight Gale signing. Really? You know, um, if we get Ross McCormick, I'm much happier with that than I am with than I would be with Gale. Um, but anyway, they've sent. You know, they've spent what is it, 33 million? I'm reading at the moment that they've spent this transfer window. Yeah. I know it's calling that we've not spent similar amounts of money. It's also worth pointing out that they have sold uh, Vinealdum for 28 million and Townsend for 13 million this season. So I think they actually they've uh, made more money. They've made more money in uh, transfers than they've spent. Um, but if you compare us, for example, to other teams, so if we do hijack this Norwich move from McCormack. Well, then their one big move of the summer was Sergei Canos, who was Liverpool under-23 player, who never really got a run out for them, 19-year-old winger. That's their big signing. Yeah. You know, apart from, hey, Ricky Van Walsprinkle's coming back on loan. Celebrate all you <laughs> Norwich fans. 
you know, and they've lost Britain. They could be his year. You know, know. and then other players, you know, we're looking at other teams who are looking to come up with us. Well, Brighton, you know, they were in, they came in fourth last season, I think. They've got Steve Sedwell coming in on a free transfer. Now, you know, I love Stevie as much as the next guy. He's also 33 now. (laughs) I thought he was still 19. (laughs) Like, he's just existed forever in my mind. (laughs) I just was the same bloke. I'm not sure he should. Bloody hell, I remember. It's a bit odd to make him the linchpin of your promotion push, you know, and they've got Glenn Murray coming in on loan from Bournemouth. Okay, fine. You know, and then other teams, Derby. Derby have signed no one who you would be able to name. You know, and they're another side who probably should be looking, you know, who would be hoping to get promoted this season. So compared to, you know, every other rival around us except for Newcastle, our transfer business doesn't look that bad. Yeah, uh, one issue is anyone who Aston Villa and the championship promotion rivals will target presumably will be chased by a Premier League club. So they've got a wait in line. Uh, more more shame uh, if you're a Derby team who has to then wait behind Aston Villa and Newcastle in the pecking order, because uh, then you have you haven't got really got a chance, have you? You've got to really target unique prospects. Uh, moving on from sales and transfers, uh, Villa's owner Tony Shaw. Might, we might be in, a, in for a bit of a year in terms of Twitter. Ooh. What do you think? <laughs> um. <laughs> the cr- the must cringe tells it all, but Adam, go first, mate. I know you've been dying to say oh, something. Well, uh, yeah. So if everyone missed the highlight, the highlight was his blow up at Ian Holloway. Uh, Ian Holloway, uh, in the words of Tony Gia, failed player, failed manager, and then an <laughs> F something star 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 ed <laughs> pundit, which. I don't know. Do, do we think that was failed as well? I, I assume that was... Let's say that was failed as well. Uh, that was because he predicted us as being 16th. So this achieved the... F- yeah. Achieved the estimable thing of being both completely correct and also just incredibly controversial. You just... You can't... You can't go around saying that kind of thing. You can't go around exploding on social media as the owner of the football club. Because at the moment... Yeah, some people have got really upset about it. Yeah. But... Um, I mean, embarrassing <laughs> isn't the word I'd use. I'd use the terms hilarious and oh god. Yeah, I wouldn't go far as embarrassing because Aston Villa did. I've seen enough Aston Villa games to know the definition of embarrassing, <laughs> and that was not not much near. But I don't. Yeah, an owner shouldn't yeah, be doing I mean, it. I, I don't uh, think it is hilarious. Right, uh, I advise anyone to go check out uh, what Alex Carson wrote on the site, seventy five hundred <laughs> to Holt, about this because it was very clear headed. But the point yeah. is, it's funny when it's at Ian Holloway. It's not going to be funny when it's at Villa fans or when it's uh, journalists who cover Villa who criticise what's going on the pitch and he explodes at them and then then you're going to have to see some problems. So, Yeah, uh, Tony Shaw is a smart man. Uh, unfortunately, his English isn't very good and I can see a situation arising in which he may be accidentally seen as a racist or even worse, say words that shouldn't be said. Um, it'd be a very easy trap to fall to, including the fact that he has already retweeted a picture of Jimmy Savile. Um, <laughs> please Google Wikipedia if you're not sure who that is, and then you'll realise why that's a fucking disaster. Um, but yeah, at least he retweeted a picture of Jimmy Savile. He uh, told Ian Holloway he's a fucked pundit, I believe. Is it fucked or failed? I don't know. Um, well, Aside from the Jimmy Savile one, I don't think he's <laughs> crossed the line yet. Because I mean, the Ian, Holloway, <laughs> the Ian Holloway one, I can justify him that he's not wrong. 
But um, there is, as you said, the risk that he could cross the line. And I think yeah, I, it's a very easy line for him to cross. Very, consi- you've got to remember, he's already tweeted a picture of Chairman Mao. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, who's quite a controversial figure. Very, that's to say the least. I mean, it's, this isn't a place of political discussion on the pod, but uh, I mean, Google Chairman Mao and uh, maybe the uh, Cultural Revolution in China, and you'll see why that might be a bad idea to uh, retweet pictures of a uh, dear leader. But guys, um, yeah, he's uh, very close to crossing mm-hmm. the line. That, frankly, with think the Daily Mail lurking around, you don't want to cross. <laughs> yeah, I think he needs to find a balance because we've just gone from having an owner that hasn't communicated with the fans in years to having an owner that's communicating too much too loudly and too too strongly perhaps so yeah it's a bit wild it needs to be trimmed i I guess this is new for us but then this is a whole new world for him too so i guess hopefully you'll start getting used to how running a football club works you might settle down a bit hopefully anyway yeah, I just, and, yeah, I just want a silent man with a big briefcase full of money, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's what Chris Samuelson wanted at Reading and uh, Everton, but it never actually materialised. <laughs> Didn't get his briefcase of money. But, uh, <laughs> no, but uh, yeah, Chris Samuelson's actually in India, buying a few football clubs. Um, Tony oh. Shah, yeah, I mean, this is a tool, it's a tool for good. We can see for the first time into our beloved football club. It's not forget that Randy Lerner loved Aston Villa lots and he did want it to succeed and ended up smothering it in his death grip. Where he actually never turned up, so I find it hard to believe he loved it, but that's what I know he loved it. Uh, that letter that he left uh, stunk of love. Um, didn't, but, he, uh, didn't he have a tattoo of the club logo on his ankle yeah. as well? Yeah. Not, that's commitment, to be fair. Yeah, Um Randy Lerner loved Aston Villa. Um, he just wasn't able to see it through. Tony Shaw comes in maybe loving Aston Villa, but he's ve- he's very passionate about his uh, respect uh, respect for the club and uh, what he thinks will achieve. He was uh, mentioning Stan Petrov and his what I think it's Weibo, um, the Chinese social mm-hmm. network. Yeah. He was mentioning Stan Petrov months before he bought Aston Villa, which is a good sign. But yeah, just rein it in a bit. You sound a bit like some of the crazy hashtag AVFC fans that we can uh, <laughs> see mentioning various conspiracy theories about Shah and Riley and Lerner and the running of Villa. But yeah, uh, it's a force for good. Uh, I think that's all we can say about Shah. Um, hopefully it works out that way. Mm. It's going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting. It's, on Sunday, it's time... For- Oh, sorry, Adam. Carry on. No, I was just saying that uh, you know, if if we if we thought that the club was you know going to have a couple of boring <laughs> years down in the championship, I think we might find that it's interesting, Rajia. And you know, let's hope that's a good way. May you live in interesting times. It's the classic Chinese curse. <laughs> and uh, wow, Aston Villa have got an interesting season ahead. Um, I believe it's 42 games. There's midweek games. It's a packed schedule. Uh, there's a lot that's not on TV or won't, won't be uh, publicised. So you've got to keep an ear to the ground and really uh, do some research this season to find out the Villa results. But the season ahead, it starts on Sunday against Sheffield Wednesday. Guys, this season, who's the Villa player to what to look out for? Um, I think that was a question that's coming up on the round table later this week. I say, I think I know it is. So I'm just going to spoil my own answer and say Jack Grealish. It's now or never kid. It's I won't be, uh, uh, the main yeah, I won't be able to disagree with you there. 
We need he's him a, to set up the goals and against opposition that aren't as good as they were last season. And without having been hindered in a way by having him and Carlos Heal in the team, it didn't work having both of them as creative outlets. But with just Grealish, mm-hmm. there's no knowing what he could theoretically achieve this year. And we're going to need him to if we want to go back up, I think. Adam, will you agree Grealish is the one to watch? Uh, yeah, I think Grealish is the obvious one. Um, you know, I think uh, he's got everything that it could be to to be a complete, absolute star in the championship this season. Now, I think someone made a good point um, at, uh, that I saw, which is that if you said at the start of the season, you know, you're going to get to keep, or at the start transfer window, that you'll get to keep Ayu, Amavi and Grealish, you know, that's a, that's a star championship lineup just there. Um, so I'm going to say, I'm not going to spoil my answer for the round table. People have to go read my answer on the round table. They're going to give a slightly different answer. Yeah, and the V. Uh, you know, as long as we can get him back. It looks like at the moment the talk has quieted down of people swooping in for him. Uh, he's made some positive noises about wanting to make his mark at Villa. And, uh, you know, what we've seen was hugely promising from him. So really looking forward to his development. Yeah, uh, Jordan Amavi uh, will be clashing with Joe Bennett for a left-back space as he uh, endures a rehabilitation from a Soko. quite crushing injury. Ali Sissoko, yeah, forget, <laughs> forgotten man. He was pretty good. Oh, I don't know if he was good on Sunday, but he crossed the ball in, which is more than I've seen from him in a while. Um, crossed a few balls in, actually, pretty good. I already just said couldn't, just couldn't get his head on them, always uh, absent at the time. Guys, this season, I'm not sure if you got a feature list up, but match you're most excited for. I don't need a fixture list. For me, it's Villa versus Cardiff, personally, because <laughs> I do love a bit of Wales versus England. Even though I will be supporting Villa, despite them being the English side of it, it could be a good match, and it used to be the most local fixture for me. So, long-standing enjoyment of that game will continue this year. Adam, what about yourself? Uh, well, I'm looking forward to my lo- own local fixture, which is uh, Villa Ipswich this season which is uh, yeah it's going to be the closest I've seen Villa for a long while down here the Shatter boys (laughs) absolutely Uh, I might even go as far as Norwich to see him play as well which could be they aren't far away (laughs) they aren't far away Uh, interesting you know let's say it's going to be fun watching us play Burton Albion you know it's just uh, that might not be a match that Villa fans ever expected or wanted to play but now that we're there let's go out and enjoy it (laughs) Burton Albion's my one as well Right up the road, uh, peaceful little Burton up in Trent will be uh, descended on by a horde of angry Villa fans. There's probably more of Aston Villa fans that can fit than can fit in uh, the, city, the town of Burton even. It's not a city, is it? But uh, yeah, Burton Albion's, uh, we're looking forward to that one. Certainly, I'm, that's my most uh, match to look forward to. And obviously, there's a second city derby uh, going over to Small Heath to play Birmingham City in their, on their turf for the first time in a long time so yeah the championship is looking building up to be an exciting season final question guys let's wrap it up where will Villa finish specifically man you're spoiling all the questions on my <laughs> you can change dude. your answer you can change your answer uh, I'm, I'm sticking with eighth I'm I can't see us finishing as well as I think everyone wants us to finish I mean we signed Ross McCormack we signed maybe one or two other players my answer might change as it stands, I think we need to be prepared with the fact that we're going to win games, that we're going to win more than three games this season, touch wood. But I think it's not actually going to be as easy as we all hope. 
So there's going to be defeats. Like, I don't think Sunday's game is going to be an easy one. I can't actually see us beating Wednesday away. But things could change because it's going to be an unpredictable season. So eighth, but could go higher or lower. Yeah, um, I won't spoil my answer, but I'm hoping for at least second. You know, uh, Villa have the firepower, especially if they bring in McCormack to do magical things this year, especially if uh, Grealish gets his... uh, ties his shoelaces up and be the player we know he can be almost like a Zinedine Zidane type of quality for the championship uh, but yeah it'd be really good to see a creative player with uh, two destructive strikers in front of him uh, rip up the championship and I'm really I've got a season ticket and you know I really want to see some goals this year because I saw about four <laughs> last year I think you can I can count the amount of goals that I saw on both my hands so uh, not looking forward to uh, to a repeat of last year all I want is some goals and some wins and some uh, happiness Adam? Yeah, it might take us a little bit of time to get rolling, but, um, you know, I'm going to give a second. You know, we've got got quality players. We've got players who should be able to, you know, get us easy wins in this league. I think we will spend a little bit more money uh, before the end of the transfer window. Fingers crossed for the McCormack deal. Yeah, we're going to cruise in second behind behind Newcastle, unfortunately. That would be hilarious if we were the ones who kept them down. So. <laughs> Just that yeah, uh, a bit best uh, highlight of, <laughs> highlight of my season last year was uh, partying as uh, Newcastle fans cried on the streets of Birmingham <laughs> as I realised that their fate had been sealed once again by Aston Villa FC. Uh, guys, I think it's time to wrap it up there. We've uh, pretty much talked a lot about the uh, coming season. We'll have to see how it unfolds. Uh, I think we'll be speaking again about the season, maybe in January to wrap up a transfer window. But uh, next time, I think we'll be bringing you something special. I'll keep it under wraps for now and uh, plan something out. But guys, I think we've got something special to bring in the coming months on uh, on the pod, my lord. Uh, speaking of special, you can apply to be a writer with me, Adam and Ellis, on a 7500 Holt. We're uh, trying to offer a platform for good writers. So yeah, get involved. Uh, you can be one part of what I believe to be the best Aston Villa site on the internet. Uh, one of the comments we've already received in the episode it seems like a family from the outside and there can't agree more so yeah guys we'll be back with on the pod episode eight any final thoughts uh just you know if you are interested in seeing what we're like it's only 500 to help uh you know do start off by following us <laughs> not just to get our twitter numbers up you'll you know you'll actually uh you'll actually see what we're like so uh i think might learn a thing or two from yourself <laughs> what, as well adam jamo rushton uh at adam clarkers yep, and at it's ellis i believe it's underscore it's, Ellis. That's oh, the one. Oh, I always get caught out. Is that, that. <laughs> someone take at it's Ellis? Um, I don't know. I, I never checked. I just like a good underscore, quite frankly. <laughs> but yeah, it's a great team. And, uh, Perfect stuff, guys. We, yeah. We'd love to be working with other great writers and other, other great fans of Villa. Yeah, guys, we'll be back in September with something special. Until then, keep it 7,500 to halt. For me, James Rushton, Adam Clark, and Ellis Sanford, it's been episode seven. It's been a pleasure. We'll catch you later. Bye, guys. Bye.